Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. Listeners, welcome to Adventure Seed Podcast, a random roller podcast where every show is different. I'm Whitney, and hanging out here in my kitchen with my gal Heather, we rolled a yummy adventure today out of 20 possibilities and rolled for drinks too. We are chatting about our cookbooks, the Jane Austen Cookbook by Maggie Black and Deidre Lefay, and the the Portlandia Cookbook, Cook Like a Local by Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein with Jonathan Crystal. I'm sitting sipping Sprite, and Whitney has a vanilla cream ale from Black Horse Brewery. So stick around and see what chaos we come up with today. So today we rolled up cookbooks. Um, I really love cookbooks. I have a lot of feelings about cookbooks. Well, it was interesting. Like we really wanted to be very random roller about yeah. it and include all books. Like when you go to a bookstore, mm-hmm. anything that you can buy in that bookstore, we yes. kind of want to address here. Other than like blank books, because they're hard. Well, to I mean, read. you can address. We we can do a whole topic about that. Let's it's not on our it. list yet. We'll add it. <laughs> uh, but for me, like food is a very passionate thing. Mm-hmm. I, I get strong feels about food. And, uh, and we've mentioned this before. They, like, they I, are fully aware that we are <laughs> eaters. Yeah, I, I mean, but like some dishes have moved me to tears of joyfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, not just pregnant. No, just in real just life. In real life <laughs> I've tasted things and I just get really emotional about it. And for me, a cookbook is a way to transcend time and space with the foods that you find meaningful and enjoyable. In my family, passing down recipes is a really big tradition. We have recipes that date all the way back to some of my relatives that have immigrated here from like the 1800s. And That's super cool. It's, well, and it's really cool because like the, the recipe will be written in the original German that that ancestor spoke and then someone else translated it and they stapled the recipe card to it. And then an ingredient like oleo became harder to find so they <laughs> redid the recipe on a different card and stapled it with the crisco and so like having that stack of stapled paper clipped cards passed down in the handwriting of my mom and my grandmother and my great grandmother people i never met um is really wonderful and a cookbook is just a very formal way of passing down recipes right and passing down that knowledge and a lot of families will make a cookbook like gather like mm-hmm. our family took recipes um from all over our extended family and made you know a cookbook from family recipes really cool. and from in like you know when you when you marry and you have children and mm-hmm. they have children and they marry and so on and so forth like that family grows so it's a it's multi-families it's not just the core family when anymore. i married my first husband 
we did a potluck supper for our our reception. We were trying to keep it low cost. And so I had the relatives that brought food also bring the recipe cards so that the recipes from our wedding we liked, I could make again oh, and again. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. I don't remember that. I was there and I don't even remember that. I just remember <laughs> eating and then food was good. <laughs> so the recipe books that we have chosen today, of course, are Jane Austen's cookbook and the Portlandia cookbook. You don't talk about mine. You talk about no, yours. No, no, we're going to talk about them individually. But what's interesting <laughs> is how different the cookbooks we've chosen are. Because when it comes to the kinds of things people look for in a cookbook. Well, they're so different. They're so different. And so the Jane Austen cookbook I've chosen today, uh, as many of you know by now, I'm a literature major. That was my heart in, in bachelor school. Well, and you're a literature teacher. And I'm a literature teacher. And... History was like my second passion, and through literature we teach history. What I love about the Jane Austen cookbook is that this cookbook addresses the etiquette of the time period, the etiquette seen in the novels, but the like the compilers of this cookbook, the people that edited it and put it together are Maggie Black and Deidre LaFay, but what they used as their source material was the notes and writings of Martha Lloyd, who was a dear Jane Austen friend, and they used the letters that were sent around by Martha Lloyd and Jane Austen and, and other friends and family members in their circles to compile these recipes. Now that's really cool. Yeah. See, that, that is the reason, like if you're gonna have a pop culture referenced cookbook, mm -hmm. that is what I want. I want an immersive experience from that source. Yeah. That's cool. So like they have. So that's who ML is. That's who ML is. I was trying Lloyd. to figure out who ML was throughout the cookbook. <laughs> so, and, and they have they have a, a really deep introduction section. Like the first thirty nine pages of this cookbook are just writings explaining the cookbook, which is a really long time to talk about something like that in a cookbook. Mm -hmm. But they talk about the social and domestic life that Jane Austen would have grown up in. They talk about her novels and her letter writing. They talk about the etiquette that would have been present and that Jane Austen pulled from for her novels. And then you finally get to the recipes. And they're broken down into sections that are logical for the time period, family recipes, entertaining recipes, recipes that would have appeared in her novels. It was all about social gatherings. Social gatherings, right, because that was, was very popular then. And so when you actually get to the recipe portion, a lot of what you have at the beginning of each recipe is a paragraph either by Martha or by someone else either the recipe in their own words, which is actually not at all useful for cooking it. <laughs> well, especially when they're pigeons, pigeons involved. Yeah, one, one of my favorite recipes I picked out um, in, in whoever MR's uh, writing is in 1806, they said they started the recipe out, rub the pigeons with pepper and salt inside and out. In the former, put a bit of butter. So when you get to like the modernized version underneath, it says six pigeons plucked and gutted. Well, and modernized is in air quotes there because all they did was they just, they wrote, they, they put that paragraph in recipe format. In recipe format, yeah. in language that modern cooks would recognize. But it's still pigeons. It's still pigeons. I don't know where to buy those. I guess I would have to catch them myself. Well, and I don't like, we were talking about what could you substitute pigeons for and you couldn't do duck because that's two different, like They're I would imagine that profiles. pigeon would be a little rough, like maybe quail. Quail, possibly. I was thinking even like a Cornish hen in size. Maybe, yeah, that, that's not a bad uh, idea. But, but yeah, so some of these recipes are a bit antiquated and dated, but then others are, are 
delicious. One of the others that I found that just made my heart want to taste all of it is something <laughs> called chicken baskets. And when I think of a chicken basket, I think of going and getting a chicken tender basket yeah, from a restaurant. Fingers, fries, <laughs> sauce. That's not a chicken basket. Oh. A chicken basket is cooked chicken plus uh, shredded suet and bread, fine chopped parsley. This is where my heart got really happy. A half teaspoon of grated lemon rind. Do you know how <laughs> much a half teaspoon of grated, like grated lemon rind is what we call lemon zest today. Mm -hmm. A half teaspoon of that is gonna like kick you on your butt with lemon flavor. Absolutely. A pinch of grated nutmeg, which is also a very strong flavor profile. There's butter, there's so much butter. There's a whole ounce of butter in this recipe. Um, so Paula Dean would be proud. She absolutely. And, um, and then you have flour and chicken stock and puff pastry. And when they describe this basket, it's, it's literally you're using the puff pastry to weave a basket that you are then filling with this chicken concoction and baking <laughs> so that you can literally carry around. Sure, like I'm going to do that. And I, I, obviously women back then had a lot more time. Uh, they, they spent more dedicated time in their kitchens and less dedicated time at employment places. That is way too funny. But um, yeah, this just sounded delicious. But for me, the reason I picked this cookbook is because recipes are shared. They are important. They have cultural significance. I agree. And for me, like, yes, I'm a literature person. I love Jane Austen's work. I took that class in college. But my grandmother and I shared a lot of Jane Austen things. Like when I was in high school, she signed me up for the Jane Austen fan club and we got like monthly newsletters. Well, and don't you have like a Jane Austen planner? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like your, one of your planners or a recent planner one was year was- Was Jane Austen. Yeah. Yeah. And she, like when the, the nice collection of books came out at Barnes and Noble or whatever, she bought that for me. And when they released all of the BBC versions, she bought that for me. So like anytime it was a Jane Austen thing, my grandmother was getting that for me. Aww. And she had traveled to England and brought me back this book. And so when I travel now, I'm, I'm gonna cry a little. I know. <laughs> she's passed on, I miss her a lot. But like anytime I interact with Jane Austen things, it takes me back to that relationship that I had with my grandmother, even though we have no cultural connection to Jane Austen or her work. It's still a bond that we shared. Mm -hmm. um, one of the really cool things when I traveled to England was getting to find this in the British Library bookshop. So I like, I felt like my grandmother stood here before and this is where she picked out that book. And I got to see Jane Austen's writing desk. So there was like another connection there. Yeah. Um, where some of these recipes very well may have been written down in the first place. Um, well, and to speak to what you said before, it's generate like it goes through generations, yeah. and this can be passed on. Books can get passed mm -hmm. on and on and on. So um, that's why I picked Jane Austen's book. We're going to talk about something that is way less deep. <laughs> well, it's 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 way less deep on an emotional level, yeah. but a lot of the same passion because yes. as we've talked about, like you know. The, the kitchen has always been the heart of every home that mm -hmm. I've been in, even if I've been the only one in that home. Like, that's where I find myself sitting in the floor crying. Mm -hmm. That's where I find myself making all my recipes. That's where you find the tasty treats you want to put in your body. That's where you drudge yourself to the chicken, the <laughs> kitchen because you have to eat something yeah. and you really don't want to. <laughs> um, so I went the complete opposite, and I went for the Portlandia cookbook. Uh, the, 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 the undertitle is Cook Like a Local. 
And if you all, you have not seen Portlandia. No, not at all. Um, so you're just going to be like, okay, it's just a cookbook that's got some extra facts in it. But if you've watched Portlandia and you understand how kind of crazy they are, like they act like it's the same couple or same two people, same two actors who are playing different characters. And so when you look at this cookbook and you see all the contributors, it's all the different characters that they've played. Oh, how fun. And so, you know, you've got Spike, who is the intense bicycle rights advocate who challenges you to think about what you're eating. And so you can remember watching Spike throw his um, bike around and, like, be upset about the bike lanes Mm -hmm. and somebody that's got their dog tied up to the bike rack you know and you can see that and then like well what kind of recipes would he be talking about um and then you've got like a, one of the stories was the knot store so they went to the knot store and it's a store of knots and it's all these different <laughs> pictures and books and like ascots with knots on them and it sounds like a very there's a place. bird store and there you know like everything all this stuff that you think about portland <laughs> like the satire and the funny Mm -hmm. is it's found all throughout this book and i really liked that so like they did pretzel knots and so it shows you all the different knots the knot store the knot store advertised Mm -hmm. and put in this cookbook all the knots I like, like they sponsored this page has pictures my my cookbook had no pictures you just have to imagine this it is with your all tongue. pictures there's so many pictures <laughs> in this book but you can see the hansel and pretzel and the cowboy <laughs> salty lasso and the tie the dog up pretzel knot it's just they're just really they're funny i and like how silly and fun these are but like you can you can actually utilize this right. as real ideas if you wanted to and i'm sure they're all tasty and then, no matter how you tie your pretzel. So one of the episodes is put a bird on it. So like all throughout here, you see different food things. Lay an egg on it. Let's pickle it. Let's, you know, like yeah. little funny, silly. Like when you see it, it just makes you want to chuckle. So it's kind of the same same way you were talking about. Not as deep as mm-hmm. a family connection, but it, it references like your favorite parts of the show. It mm-hmm. references, and it's all coming from their point of view. So you can see that these are the people who are writing this recipe. Spike wrote this recipe, or um, uh, Bryce and Lisa wrote this. So they're recipe. writing it as their character, not as the absolutely that's really fun that's part of why i like pop culture cookbooks and why i think you should do that is you should sell me on the fact that portlandia and the the people who live in portlandia are are doing this book Mm -hmm. um so they've got the claire is one of the main people that's all throughout uh, portlandia and she she says, uh, I took Doug with me to this dinner party the other day. It was a locavore dinner party. And they're constantly making up words. And mm-hmm. it's just funny. and Which basically means all the food was extremely local. Like forage from the land within five blocks of the house. And you had to bring a potluck where you had to forage the meal. <laughs> like everything, you know. It's just silly, nonsensical, but it's fun. Well, and I would imagine a cookbook like this, if, if you have a large group of friends that enjoys Portlandia, I know... Watch parties are a popular thing to do Absolutely. with TV shows, and you could you could very easily have you and a group of friends pick a series of recipes from this, make them, and then have a show watch party. Well, so like um, I can't remember you and I have talked about like different shows and binge watching TV mm-hmm. and stuff. And one of the, one of the characters that they play is Doug and Claire, and Doug and Claire are um, they find Battlestar Galactica, and it shows them the episode shows them watching an episode, binge watching it to the point to where they call in sick to work every day for for weeks. Oh. They 
like you can watch their devolution. Like mm-hmm. they start in like nice clothes and nice food and snacks, and by the end of it, they're in pajamas. They've got their hairs everywhere. Like a full week's it worth looks of beer nasty. And- and so, like, they've got recipes. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. so it's nacho cheese popcorn. So, like, it's, like, food, TV dinner style snacks yeah. and stuff. So, that's just kind of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they've got chicken wings. It's stuff that they could sit watching, like, on TV. So, it's kind of set up in the sections. But it's what can we do while sitting and watch TV? Because that's what those mm-hmm. two characters in Portlandia do. So, it's just kind of just fun and interesting. And, and that's kind of why I liked it. And I hated Star Wars. <laughs> We both have the Star Wars yes. cookbook. Um, and we both bought it out of love for the fandom and hate it pretty much for the same reasons, the love of the fandom. Well, we both really, have, like, we bought it and we were like, oh, it's cute, it's fun mm-hmm. to have, we're Star Wars nerds, and that's awesome. And then when we rolled a cookbook, we put this this topic on for these two cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the compilation of the cookbook that she has. And... <laughs> We opened it to look at recipes, and we were both like, uh, this is lame. They've literally taken cinnamon buns and put a, a Princess Leia figurine next to it and said, Princess Leia buns. Well, yeah. That's that's not what I wanted from a pop culture cookbook. Mm-hmm. I know how to find a cinnamon bun recipe. I wanted, what what about the blue milk that they drink? What mm-hmm. could that be made out of? Or like some of the rodents on a stick that you see in like some of the, Absolutely. the taverns. And that would be taverns. funny. But all they did was put a little picture of it and a figurine. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it was like Darth Malt. Like yeah. a malt shake. And it's just because Darth Malt is standing next yeah. to it. No, I mean, this could be really fun for, like, a six-year-old that is learning their way around the kitchen. But some of these recipes are complicated. Some of them, some are, of them are easy. And you do have a point there. Like, this would be, a, like, a good teenager cookbook mm-hmm. or something where you're kind of trying to learn, cook, you know, stuff for the first time. But, like, Amadala Chala. The only reason is this Chala recipe, and that's a very complicated recipe. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it's in here is because it rhymes with Amadala. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... That's not what I wanted. Like, the Fallout cookbook, the Fallout cookbook has, like, it's it's as though you are in the Fallout game and you found this recipe that's had to been modified and changed and you can see all the different characters' notes on this is, we don't have chicken anymore, but you can use this, this animal's meat mm-hmm. or this will help you get rid of radiation. It's got right away in it. So it's just, oh, it's really interesting how... Like, these are lost opportunities, the mm-hmm. Star Wars. Totally lost opportunity. There's all kinds of foods and... Well, and so, just to further nitpick this book a little bit, if you're going to make a recipe book, make a good recipe book. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite foods, especially right now being pregnant, is pickles. So stereotypical of me. But it's true. But it's, it's true. The, it's the salt. It's the like, salt. You need the salt. Yeah, because you're drinking so much extra mm-hmm. water. Like, your body craves that salt to keep your electrolytes in balance. So my mom does a lot of canning uh, with her vegetable garden. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things she makes every year is refrigerator dill pickles. And so in the Star Wars cookbook, there's a pickle jar jar recipe. Um, (laughs) But it's just because it's a jar of pickles. It's it's just because it's a jar of pickles. But wait, these are refrigerator dills with no dill listed in the recipe. They didn't even make a good pickle recipe. It's vinegar and sugar and cucumbers and that's it garlic you can optionally put garlic in there you can also do the same recipe with some carrots 
but but no you're right those it's, aren't even a good pickle no <laughs> and that's and that's i guess what i mean like so uh, another another cookbook that uh, i wanted to reference a little bit on the why i was really disappointed in it is the hobbit the unexpected journey um like part of tolkien's novels and books and writings are very um the the like he created his own languages mm-hmm. he created certain looks he created different uh, tempos and the prose like the way that he wrote things and like the fonts that he wrote in and they just went with like i think it was like aerial font tiny font and it wasn't it was just these are recipes that you could find in england or in a country time like it, yeah. it wasn't even foods that they consumed or it was not a cookbook that a hobbit would approve of no and like it like there were hardly any illustrations that was just a few pictures of the foods themselves but like there were no dragons there were no after we fought this dragon we feasted on this like there was there was so many lost opportunity there Uh, another book that that I just wanted to touch on was the Harry Potter book well but this is going in the opposite it's direction. going the opposite it's a direction. little bit better now it's it's still these are just regional foods that you would find in England that probably the Harry Potter characters would have eaten but they've they've at least tried a little bit by referencing I can where agree to that the foods are seen in the novels every recipe in here is is double referenced with a novel page and so I, I appreciate that a little bit but there were some really zany foods in the Harry Potter world like chocolate covered frogs now obviously i personally would not want to eat a frog well it wasn't chocolate covered frogs right so it was a it was a, a magic mold it was just a spell yeah but it was a, a hopping spell a hopping spell yeah, yeah, yeah. on a chocolate frog it was it, but it was just chocolate it wasn't yeah. a chocolate covered frog oh, okay do you want you see what yeah, I'm saying? yeah I, see. I just always assumed there was a real frog in uh-uh. there and they were it was a it. spell that made it hop hop oh, okay does but that make you feel better? That does make me feel better. They're not eating frogs. I, you know, the British have some strange foods. Well, you read the book when you were young. Like, yeah. you started in that level. So, like, when you... That, I could understand that being a very formative thought that just mm-hmm. stays with you. Yeah. Yeah. I was right. in my 20s, and I was like, well, I need like, to look this up. the first time the frog hops, like, Harry, like, recoils because he's never really seen magic And Ron happen. says, don't worry, it's just a spell. Right. But I'm still <laughs> sitting there like... It's a frog. It's a frog. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Like, for the Harry Potter world, I would expect, like, butterbeer and and things that that you wouldn't find in the muggle world, necessarily. Yeah, I was disappointed there were so many muggle recipes. Mm-hmm. Now, they do touch on some of the magical recipes, but, like, most of the time it was Molly was making meatballs. Here's a meatball recipe mm-hmm. from England. Well, I don't really know, right. you know? And it's to the point to what you were saying. It's not even a good recipe. Like, I make way killer meatballs than mm-hmm. that. You know, so if you're going to put in regular stuff, make it really fun and interesting. Yeah. But, like, tell it from, like, this isn't Molly Weasley's cookbook. No. Like, if they wanted to do that, they could have, like, done it from Molly Weasley's point of view, and then it would have been hysterical, and it would have been, like, cookbook from the, the Burrow book mm-hmm. or something. You know, they could have just... I would have loved to read, like, an entire expose from Hermione Granger about the, the reasons why you should stir your pot clockwise instead of counterclockwise, because... Right? Well, that's a whole other witchcraft thing. <laughs> that's the banishing and the, yeah. and the receiving and the, you know, like, there's just so many different different things that they could have done. Um, I do want to tell you one of the um, recipes that I want to try from my cookbook um, because I thought that it was really cool looking. 
I mean, like, it's got communal table etiquette. So, like, how do you go to a restaurant and, like, sit at the table, like, the communal table, mm-hmm. how all the hipster restaurants are doing now? And it's just funny. It's just so funny. And, like, the mayor, air quote, the mayor, like, has, they've got reviews. They've got online reviews posted from the different people oh, that they've played fun. in Portlandia. It's just, it is a lot of fun. Um where is it? I, I don't know if you can dimly hear the dog barking in the background, but we had a couple of people write in and say that the dog scared them to death. Uh, one of my uh, friends on Instagram, his Instagram handle is NKHumpy. He's super hysterical for like geek geek stuff. Yeah. He's really a, a really cool dude. But he was like, I was mowing my lawn and I about died. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so I want to apologize to y'all for your ears for that dog bark. Yeah, he's, he's so viciously barking and wagging his tails expectantly, hoping it, that it's we'll... It's not sh- viciousness, but it it's, is loud, and it's out of nowhere all the time. No, that's why I've noted he's wagging his tail as he attempts his, his hey-hey bark. Well, I can't find it, and I don't really want to take up too Do you much remember more which one of our was? time. Oh, here it is, right when I said that. Tortilla Española, and it's 12 large eggs, a 5-ounce bag of local-flavored potato chips, crushed, um, olive oil, scallions, and Spanish chorizo, <laughs> and it's just funny. Like, it looks... It's like an egg tortilla quiche it kind of, looking Yeah, thing. it looks like a quiche that someone like threw potato chips on top of, but then cooked really well. But it looks so good. And it's got an ad from one of the the characters on Portlandia on the page. So it's just, I don't know. It's As just, a fan of quiche, I would try that if you made well, it. Well, it just looks so good. And I love anything with chorizo in it. Mmm, mm-hmm. chorizo's amazing. I like that they specified Spanish chorizo and not like other kinds of... <laughs> well, there are different kinds of chorizo. That you've got uh, lots of different kinds of chorizo now, with all the hipsters being in the world that oh, they are yeah, now. You're right. I'm not even up on hipster cuisine. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Um, my partner in crime is very much into. I'm hipster still trying foods. to wrap my head around like alfalfa sprouts are not for horses. <laughs> Well, so like, so, so talking about like local stuff, since this book is cook, cook like a local, I think that our business plug today, um, I rolled a local craft beer mm-hmm. and part of why I like rolling for our drinks is, and I'm being very true to the drink list because I'm, I just, I think that that's fun. It's a fun component. Mm-hmm. And even if I have to go to the grocery store because minutes before the show, I forgot. Um, and I, I went to the, not to the grocery store, but to the liquor store. Um, and one of the the beers that I got is Black Horse Brewery Vanilla Cream Ale, and it is a Tennessee. It is from Knoxville, Tennessee, but they have got locations um, across East Tennessee, and they distribute in a lot of the grocery stores and liquor stores and craft beer stores. Mm-hmm. So um, they're they're kind of making their way all throughout the surrounding states, and I just really kind of wanted to to pick on not pick on them, but like highlight them mm-hmm. because. They've got a few locations here in Knoxville, um, downtown, and in, in, uh, next to the Fresh Market in Bearden. And I just really like them. Um, and and they're, they're really good food. They're really good people. The beer's always fantastic. And a lot of the local beers and craft beer places don't make their own food. They have food trucks come in, and that's great. But since we were talking about a cookbook mm-hmm. show, I kind of wanted to highlight them a little bit because they also have a fantastic menu and great oh, food. Wonderful. And they're doing takeout. You can go and get their beer there if you want. You can get a crowler um, or a growler. You can get 
you know, beers at the grocery store or whatever. And they're just really well, good. And, and for a brewery, the recipes they use to make their beers are super important to them. Well, right. So they each come up with their own recipes. And mm -hmm. as you were saying, a lot of these breweries have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. So they pass them down through the families. So um, who do you all like to brew your own beer? Um, and if you do, let us know. Or let us know, like, what is your favorite recipe Garen's cousin brews his own beer and has even like made an award-winning beer that tasted like breakfast cereal, like a fruity breakfast cereal. Ooh, that can be second breakfast. I know. It, like, and I'm not even a beer person. I don't care for beer most of the time, but I could have eaten some breakfast cereal beer quite often. See if he's he'd be willing to share the recipe. We've asked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but nope. why don't you all share us your family <laughs> recipes? So, like, yes. what, what's in your family cookbook? Or what's your favorite pop culture cookbook? Or do you totally disagree with us about the Star Wars cookbook and you just think that having a figurine is... I mean, it's cool because it it is a good, like, basic reference mm -hmm. cookbook. So, like, if you're, if you're going for it for that reason, it does meet that need very well. Yeah. Um, but, like, what are you looking for in a cookbook? Why is a cookbook important to you? Absolutely. So and if um, you want to make us anything from your cookbook, we're always open to having extra noms. Yeah, we, we are definitely down to be some kitchen guinea pigs for sure. So um, we are going to do our roll list now, if you guys are down for that. Um, I am going to roll my drink first. No, you roll your drink first. Okay. I rolled a 15. You rolled a 15. You get another icy. Hey. <laughs> do you want to re-roll? No. Like, you do have inspiration point. I am so excited for an icy because last time I had to settle for a sharky. That's true. So you want to get a real icy I this time. Get a real icy. Well, you get your own damn thing because I, I got a sharky because the icies were out. You better remind me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see what I'm rolling. Let's see here. I rolled a 14, and that looks like it's another local craft beer. <laughs> you are going to be. <laughs> well, I had 33, or uh, 13 and 14 are my list right now are both local craft beers. That's exciting. So huh? I wonder what I'll have next time. I don't know. That'll be exciting. Okay. You get a roll for the list, because I think I rolled cookbook. Ooh, ooh. Do I roll the big one for the list? You do what you want. I just bought, oh. like, there's a plethora of dice. All right. Sorry about the loud bang here. Put roll it on this so it's not I was as loud. Loud bang it. Don't oh, be. They know they're real rolling. Don't be mean to them. That thumped. Oh, I know. Roll. It's still thumped. A children's book. All right. This is actually going to be fun because we have a great book picked out for I'm the children's so book. So excited. It's children's is an air quote. Yes. It's a little childlike still. Yeah. But it, I think it'll be fun. References from our childhood. Absolutely. I think it'll be super fun. So uh, let's see here, guys. Uh, we had another fun one off here today at Adventure Seed Podcast. Be sure to follow our quest at Adventure Seed Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts. May the dice always be in your favor. Roll well. Roll well. And cue the music in three, two, Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.
Get a rare view into the human side of wealth management leaders, innovators, and influencers with the Big Reveal podcast from Suzanne Syracuse in partnership with InvestNet. Tune in and subscribe to find out why she calls it the Big Reveal.